Oh, hello. Hi. Sorry. I didn't notice you there because I was just trying to survive the coldest June in Los Angeles in history over here. Sorry. I am all bundled up today to bring you Everything's Relative, the podcast where we explore all the effects of DNA testing and secrets and the way that truth comes spilling out about families when science cannot be denied. I'm Eve Sturgis. I experienced what's called an NPE, a non-paternal event, when I found out the man who raised me is not my biological father. More importantly, I found out there are a lot of people like me. I wanted to spread the word as fast as I could about this phenomenon, which is so furiously driven in the past few years, especially by direct-to-consumer DNA tests. And I want us to talk about it. So I started a podcast. Honestly, not sure that that is really the fastest way to spread the news of a phenomenon, but here we are, still plugging away at it, reaching people near and far, in hot weather, in cold weather. Maybe it's warm where you are. Maybe by the time this episode launches, it will be warmer in Los Angeles. But let me tell you, I do not have the constitution for this overcast, gray, and rainy experience in June. You know what makes me, well, this makes me think about well, what I'm okay. So what I'm trying to say is, I think what I'm about to say makes me sound like a real simpleton. <laughs> but one thing that I have really grown to love about the weekly writing group that I host here is our check-in about the weather. So on Thursdays, uh, we work with the process journal called "Who Even Am I Anymore," and people use Zoom to join in from all over the country. I am really amazed at the way that our bodies exist in all different environments and habitats while our minds are sharing the same space. <laughs> like, I'll feel really cold and someone else will describe their day as hot and muggy. I think it's possible that I sound like an alien who's just landed on Earth. Or maybe, like, I've just done a lot of pot, smoked a lot of weed. But uh, let's just say that again. Uh, how did I say it? I'm really amazed at the way our bodies exist in all different environments while our minds share the same space. But it's the truth. It is amazing to me. Uh, I feel like I'm learning more about our earth because we talk about the weather on Thursdays. If you are interested in processing your own DNA surprise using my process journal, reach out. It's available on, on Amazon and on my website and we meet on Thursdays on Zoom if you're thinking that you'd like a little more structure and community. So check it out. Today, I'm talking with Carol Crow, author of the book, The Magic in Your Genes. This season is really book heavy. I don't know how that happened, but it's so exciting how many resources are becoming available to our community. Carol Crow has walked a goddess path for more than 30 years, exploring, learning, and growing. She has been involved in genealogical pursuits since the late 1990s and began to actively work with genetic genealogy in 2013. She is the owner of Sacred Roots, which is dedicated to connecting people to their ancestral heritage and legacy, and she lectures locally, nationally, and internationally on the blending of genealogy with magic. She's also an integrative RN and menopause advocate who facilitates sacred experiences for midlife women. When she's not riding on a Mardi Gras float in her native New Orleans or roaming the world in search of grandmothers and stone circles, Carol is at home at the Shenandoah Valley, where she lives joyfully, loves intensely, and laughs frequently with beloved family and friends. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello. There you are. Hi. Hey. The magic is in your genes. The magic in your jeans, yeah. Magic Which I, you know, the publisher that was not the, my title that I picked. Oh, I picked, really? No, I picked genealogy magic. Um, oh. It was very simple to me. Uh-huh. They said it sounded like a textbook. I was like, I know no textbook with that title. But and then when they came up with the magic in your jeans, I was like, the whole double entendre there. I'm already sick of hearing about it. <laughs> and I told them, I said it's going to be a thing, but it's kind of funny. I don't know. Mm-hmm. People get great amusement out of it. I'm like, whatever. Look, just, just, you know, this book was a labor of love. So, right. and it's, uh, yeah. It gives it's, you, some, it gives you a story anyway, right? It, it, that it does. <laughs> Apparently, then, somebody had some magic somewhere because that's mm-hmm. how we all got here, right? Right. That's how we all. That's how it all <laughs> happened. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you can. You are a genealogist. Yes. Right. And how did you get into that? Um, well, the, the shortest answer would be my grandmother. So when I was in sixth grade, I think I came home and I told her about a boy that I liked and, um, he was just so cute. His name was Steven. And, um, she, you know, I said his last name and she said, who's his, who's his grandmother? And I was like, I don't know. You know, we lived in a small town in Southeastern yeah. Louisiana, right but outside still, of New Orleans. Still, what a, what a question. Even Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll go to school and ask. So I go to school and ask him like, who's your grandma? And he's like, I don't know. He didn't know her name, you know? Mm-hmm. So he went home, asked his mom, came back. Anyway, long story short, I go home, I tell my grandmother, his grandmother's name. And she said, you can't like him because he's your cousin. <laughs> and she recognized the last name. And I was like, that's not my cousin. I knew all of my first cousins. Right. I have a huge family. And um, I was like, no, he's not. So she sat down and drew me a tree. And about how she went back, you know, he's got the grandmothers. And I think it ended up, we were like, third cousins or something like that but um third or fourth cousins not terribly close but close enough for her to know the name and um i was fascinated by that that's fat i mean gosh i almost if everybody could get a cool experience like that i just in my brain exploded it, it just exploded because i was like how many people are we related to and then i was like everybody and i was just my brain just like grew this big web in my head and i was just so taken with drawing out our family tree and i was just not even barely a teen preteen um and then fast forward and i you know married young and my husband is adopted and i was 17 when when we had our daughter and i realized that the first time he held her was the first time he had ever seen anyone who was genetically related to him even at that young age, I recognized that he was surrounded by people that he, you know, like he was different than me. Like I looked like my mom. I, you know, had mannerisms like her brother. And, you know, she says, I have my dad's mouth. So you have all this mirroring that goes on that's super important um, for kids growing up. And I realized that even at that young age, no, because you, what do you know when you're 17? Everything, right? And nothing. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> so, Depends on who you're asking. It does. And, 
I even then I recognized the importance of, again, those connections. And so, you know, over the years, I spent time with my mom's brother, we researched my tree on my maternal side, I was kind of really disconnected from my dad's side, because he lived in another state. Um, you know, and we were told family stories and, you know, just over the years, this, this evolvement, like, like all genealogists do, you evolve, you know, and then DNA came along and, um, you know, so I tested my husband because I was like, let's find out who you are, right? So this was in 2006, back when National Geographic had their genographic project that they just started. And they told us he was Northern European. And I was like, okay, so you're a white guy. Yeah, that's, really, that's yeah. Really, really helpful. We could have gotten but it was, yeah. it was interesting. And I didn't realize at the time, you know, when it passed over to family tree DNA, and it converted itself into a Y12. And, you know, and then I, I guess around 2000, sometime in 2013, I realized again, that all this DNA testing was going on, how much it had evolved. Hmm. And so I tested him at um, 23andMe because I wanted to see what his health history was. Uh, we had, you know, two daughters and two grandsons by this time. So, um, and it turns out he's a carrier for cystic fibrosis. Well. Yeah, and I was like, and I've been a I've been a registered nurse for a long time before the crit work critical care for years, very intimately familiar with the struggles that those patients can go through, especially back in those days when they didn't have the advances that they do now, which are amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Even in yeah, even in my time. Yeah, absolutely. So we um did more testing and long story short, I'd used DNA to find his birth mother. And I was hooked just hooked i was and i realized i was i could just see this like a puzzle sliding around in my head how these things connected and the way that we found him his mother was was a little complicated because it involved court records and you know lies and 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 stories and weird last names and you know all these little mm -hmm. pieces fit together but mm -hmm. you know we got what we needed so you know it was just this um you know, so I was like, well, this is fascinating. I want to do and the ethnicity estimate really fascinated me, of course, like it does everybody, right? It's just like this little dangly prize that they hang over you because that's what people want to see, right? Right. It's so um, often the impetus. I did mine and it was interesting. And then I did it at Ancestry and it kind of exploded. And, you know, I noticed that, well, I don't know how deep you want me to go into my story. All of it. I want all of it. When I got my DNA results back, of course, it was 23andMe, not a huge database at the time. And so I'm from southeastern Louisiana on my mother's side, which is a really is a lot of people charge extra to do genealogy in this area because of the endogamy. <laughs> so, right. Well, endogamy, just like a just a rich and complicated history. It is. Yeah. So I mean, I'm 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 probably related to my I'm probably my own cousin, right? So, sure. right? so um, I didn't see as many of the last names that I thought I would see for me, but I chalked it up to my dad being from, he was born in Washington, DC and has Pennsylvania roots. It's like, well, you know, I'm kind of a half C when it comes to being from Southeastern Louisiana. So it's like, whatever. But then my mom decided she wanted to test hers. She wanted to, she's, you know, New Orleans and French and has, we have this rich French history, you know, Acadian and, and um, France and just this wonderful tapestry that her brother had researched for many years. And then I came along as growing up and I would help him do that. And we had a lot of, you know, he had traveled to, to France and she'd gone there and, you know, ancestral homes and this whole big story. So she wanted to see, well, she 
decided to test at 23 and me and um back then i don't know if it's still that way now but you could add an account to the primary account and everybody had the same login and you could like you could change switch profiles so i just added hers onto mine right and i'm like here you know we're just going to do this and um when the dna results come in we can log in together and look at it well i was sitting in a parking lot my husband was doing some certification testing for uh, credentialing for his job and the email popped up that her results were in and i was like oh cool let me go look look in, you know and i the first person at the top and i hadn't logged in for a little while it wasn't a daily login thing like i like i still do now and the first person i knew my first cousin was her highest match and i was like oh he must have just tested too right so whatever so my mom has five older brothers okay and um the oldest one was deceased and that was my jacob's dad my cousin's dad then i noticed that his percentage was low as a match to her and i was like why oh god that's odd yeah i was <laughs> like that's so weird and i was like and i'm looking online i like online and i'm like my husband got in the car and i'm like i'm still real new to this right like help me with the math okay so we're 50 percent and we're going down and long story short with her he could not match her and his father and my mother be full siblings so i got home and i you know she logged into the account all the time too she knew the test was coming in any day so because i've gotten a lot of grief for having the conversation with her oh. and telling her you know but she's not stupid mm -hmm. right and what would she think if i kept something like that from her right she would have figured it out eventually on her own so called her i said the results are a little odd mom i said you know that i said he doesn't match you like he should it's only a half relationship and she said well what does that mean i said well it means that either you or your brother are not the child of one of your parents probably father um mother because mom's just usually not the the case with not usually you know, but who but not but it, it does happen so i said but you know we don't know for sure we it's probably grandpa but i don't know and she said you've got to be wrong she said you're you're you don't know enough about this you've got to be wrong so mm. i was facebook friends with a very prominent genetic genealogist um back before she got very very big and popular and i messaged her and i said and i gave her the results and she's like that's a half sibling that indicates yeah. a half sibling relationship oh your poor mom not wanting it to be true uh so i was like okay well how are we we didn't know which one it was because this brother was deceased right so i said okay well there's two brothers left um we're going to test those two brothers and then we're going to test a maternal cousin to rule in or out which parent right mm -hmm. Nixon. so mm -hmm. we're going to cover tracking yeah yeah so we tested we did not tell anybody um i just we told them they we asked them if they were interested in testing for you know the family project which I, because i think maybe if they had known they might not have tested which seems kind of disingenuous now looking back but i my mom was so she was very fragile at this point mm -hmm. kind of so tested the two brothers tested the cousin they all came back matched the maternal cousin at the same so they shared the same mother the two brothers matched each other's full siblings they matched the the nephew my cousin as a as full uncles and match both matched my mother as half siblings oh. so my mom was the child that was not the the daughter of her of the man she called dad right 
Uh, and let me tell I still get teared when I think about it. Yeah. Making that phone call. I called her and I said, I said, the results are back. And she was quiet. She said, it's me, isn't it? Oh. And I said, I said, yes, it is. And she was quiet. And she said, I have to go. I did not hear from her for three days. I couldn't oh. get her on the phone. I knew she was alive because her neighbors told me she was. I could see her moving around in there. She was absolutely destroyed. She was just, she did, and there was nobody alive left for her to ask. She was 64 years old mm -hmm. when she found out that her daddy wasn't her biological father and it just destroyed her. She was so, I, I, I can't, the pain that she experienced is so, and I was so angry. I was like, what, what is, you know, you hear about these things, you know, but you know your family, right? Of course, you know your family. I've had so many people tell me, oh, that would never happen in my family. You know, so many people presume that because you look like somebody that they have to be a full sibling or that has to be your dad. Everyone thought he was my grandpa because I have his big round head. Right. You know, oh, you have your grandpa's head. Well, apparently not. I've got somebody else. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's more than one big round head out there. I got this bowling ball from somebody else. So, oh, your mom. I, yeah. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I come into these interviews often not really knowing what's going on. Beyond, I thought I beyond you were a genealogist. We're going to talk about your book, mm -hmm. um, and I really did was curious about about where you sort of got the genealogy bug. But I did not. I'm not done yet. Oh God! Oh God! Okay. Yes. So, meanwhile, My heart already hurts. Meanwhile, that's just part one, and I'll make it quick. But oh, meanwhile, I'm, I'm just letting go of all your French ancestry. Yes. Well, she said, well, she jokes now a little bit. She said, I came into the world a little French girl and I'm going to die an old Italian woman. All right. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a good, what she says now. That's a good attitude to have. It's been solved. But mm. so meanwhile, I had, when I tested my mom, I, then I was like, I want to test my dad too. Well, he was resistant. He's very um, suspicious sort. Well, after watching that, who the heck would want to? Well, he didn't know this. They, this was at the same time. Like, so oh, okay. I tested them about six weeks apart. So I sent him test, he swabbed, his results come in. Well, by that time, I was involved with my mother's results, right? And I looked at his cursory glance and I was like, it's weird. I, you know, there were cousins <laughs> on there that I thought I was going to see, but whatever. I didn't, I didn't really think about it, you know? So I got my mom's, you know, we kind of came up with a plan. She didn't want me to look for anybody. And I said, well, I'm going to quietly search because I know that she's going to want to know she's just not there yet. So I didn't talk to anybody about it. You know, I didn't reach out to any matches or anything like that. I just started digging. And then I started looking at my dad's results. And I was like, what on earth? I'm like, there's cousins. And I was like, so I called up my cousin, Melody. And I said, hey, will you take a DNA test for me? Now her mom and my dad are supposed to be full siblings. Mm -hmm. So she said, sure. You know, and I, that's called foreshadowing. Yeah. So yeah, the, um, the meanwhile, my dad got really sick. He the DNA results came back. He said, did you find out what you wanted to know? I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm your daughter. haha. -ha. And he was like, well, I knew that I was like, anyway. So <laughs> he, um, but then he got, he, he went in for, um, a diagnostic test and he had, uh, he coded during the test. He was critically ill and he died oh. soon after that. Oh, so, um, sitting with because I had talked with my sister and I was like, you know, there's something going on with dad's DNA results. I'm not seeing the matches that I'm supposed to see. 
And they are like, Carol will not stop meddling with everybody. My husband calls me a genealogical agent of chaos. That's what he calls me. Yeah. So, oh boy. so I'm like, so, you know, all this is kind of like this little pieces are sliding around together or, you know, around. And so he dies. My sister and I had already decided I was going to kind of dig into it a little bit before I mentioned it to him. So he never knew, right? He never knew that, you know, anything. So I test my cousin long story short, she had the mat. Now her mother is also deceased. She had the matches to the cousins on the paternal side and matched all of them. I did not. We are half cousins. My father is also not the child of the man he thought was his father. So I have, uh, my parents are both NPs. Wow. And I was just like, are you serious? Like when his results, when I like figured that my cousin's results came back, I was just I like cackled like a crazy hyena. It's just like that weird crying, laughing thing that you get. I'm like, because what else would you do? I don't know. I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. I'm like, okay, so, and to complicate it even more. So I always look about surnames, right? My dad carried the surname of his stepfather because his mom and father divorced when he was young. So my maiden surname was my step grandfather's. My dad, you know, but even the surname that he had before that he had before was not his. My mom's surname, not hers. My husband's surname, not his. So I've got all these people around me with these all these disconnected familial lines. And it was just, it was just mind blowing. And I was like, okay, well, let me dive in. That sounds, I mean, I don't always say this. And it, and I suppose someone could could say, yeah, that just sounds chaotic, but it also sounds really cosmic, doesn't it? You know, it does. Like there's something about you being in the middle of all these these bro these broken lines that feels meant meant to be in some. Yeah. So you know that was part of the thing. I think that because um, everyone's like, oh, you need to write your story, but you know, a big aspect of this was dealing with the the spiritual side of it like mm -hmm. you know i don't i don't i'm not a mainstream christian person you know i'm a pagan and you know these family ties are really important to me i guess as you know when you you kind of get attached to these stories that you're told and mm -hmm. these things that you discover on paper and basically you know, i mean i tell anybody take a look at your big beautiful tree and chop off your grandfather's what does it look like? Mm -hmm. You know, mine looked like crap. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, I thought about it. And I was like, wait, that means I lose all of those ancestors and their stories. You know, I just, it was, it was something. It was something. So, you know, I, and I was angry. I was angry at my mother's for my mother's pain. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't quite as painful for me because I'm a generation down. It wasn't my dad. But it's my grandpa and it was her she was embarrassed and she said she felt like a dirty secret um so when it took me about 18 months to figure it out i did solve hers in 18 months took me about 18 months and when i said the name to her she said it was like someone opened up a flood of memories um wow. and so she had met this she had met him he was a the brother of one of my grandmother's friends. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know what the deal was. I mean, I, you know, nobody's around anymore. It doesn't matter, you know, right. it, because it, it's, she's here and it happened. Um, but she had met him, you know, she was, um, 
waitressing at a little restaurant on Carrollton Avenue in New Orleans. And he would come in with his cousin who ended up being, well, she's related to all these people too. And um, they all knew my grandmother. They knew her and she just knew him as some kind older man, you know, but he, I, we were in there one day and he came over and he was like, oh, he's like, I, I was never able to have children. He said, but I'd take these two in a heartbeat. And she didn't realize that she was talking with her father. Oh my God. And he knew who she was and he knew we were his grandchildren. She truly believes that. Mm -hmm. And she just thought he was just a nice older man who was hanging out with, you know, he was the cousin of another one of the, the friend of my grandma's that she knew better, you know, and she's like all these little things that m let her know now that her family knew, you know, my, her sister, my grandmother's sisters, and of course her sisters knew. And of course, the grand the her grandmother knew and all these things and it was um it was really painful for her she felt like she had been conned hmm. you know mm -hmm. and she felt like you know what did i miss out on sure you know what did i miss out on what would my dad my dad she called him daddy what would daddy have done to me if he discovered that i wasn't his daughter and that wasn't a good thought process for her either because i don't think it would have been pretty mm. And, you know, he was just all these little things that had kind of built up for her. So, so everybody's died. He, this, this man had one sister alive. She's in her nineties. And, um, slowly we, you know, we, I have a way of cultivating, you know, relationships and, and whatnot, you know, on a, just take, um, it takes time. You know, people just have to sit with you for a while mm -hmm. and realize that you're not some crazy, you know, window scratch and stalker, right? So, right. You don't have to sell you know, something. But, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, cousin match came up and it was, turns out he's my second cousin on that side of the family. And we had a phone call and he was like, oh, that's Aunt Lucy. I know, you know, you know, his mom and my mom were first cousins and we met his mom. And so she met her first cousin on her paternal side. And, but the, the, the aunt would have nothing to do with her. Um, but she knew she knew my grandmother and did not like mm -hmm, her mm -hmm, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know I'm like okay what old lady bs is this right you know that's what it was it's just mm -hmm. you know that's what it is and you know but when the cousin saw my mother and me she gasped because i looked just like my mother and she said you both look just like my grandmother mm -hmm. and so of course naturally we want to see a picture and none yet it's been forthcoming really no, not even a photo we have no idea oh. no idea i you know hmm. i have reached out to first cousins and second cousins and you know it newspapers and whatever and i have yet to i have yet to get any now we have a one picture of her father and i can see the build and the hands and you know i can see it as soon as i saw it i was like oh my gosh that is, looks like my mom I could see shades of her and me in more distant relatives, but you know, we've, she's been denied that photo and it has yeah. hurt her terribly. Oh, it has hurt her terribly. <laughs> the elusiveness of one photo. Right. You know, and I just, I always want to ask people, what are you afraid of? Why, how does it hurt you? You know, she's, she's not after money. She doesn't want to call anybody daddy. She doesn't want to be, you know, she wants to see a photo. She has a daddy, right? right. She has her, her dad. He's always going to be her dad, but she would like to see a photo. So, 
that is not forthcoming yet. Mm. It's been nine years since this, since this happened. And, um, you know, she's mellowed out a little bit. It, I think it hurts a tiny bit less, but our, our family, so her two brothers and we, you know, we told them what was going on and, you know, and everybody was just aghast and just shocked. They were like, that is not possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is absolutely the way that it is. And so everybody was just, you know, and she's, she's, I don't know. She's just, it really hurt her. I think it's affected her physical health. It's mm-hmm. affected, of course, her mental health. And, you know, of course, now with nobody around, there's no one to ask. She's so, her brothers have since died. She's the only sibling left. You know, all the old aunts are gone, of course, my grandmother, all, so mm-hmm. all the people that would know have been gone. And so she, she just has this, she has a name and that's it, you know? And so it's, it's um there's no relief i guess yeah there's a, it's like one category of pain for the all the people that have no 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 answers that just cannot have any answers and it's right. so often a timing timing and age and generation situation yeah um, yeah. yeah so ooh. you know it, it's 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 something so you know and then with my dad i um he he was hard it took me five years um, oh. because I started with him with one 60 Sunny Morgan match. Oh, that's what I had. That's nothing. It's for yeah, anybody it's, who doesn't know about Santa Morgan's. That's nothing. That's like a grain of sand. It is. And I, I couldn't figure out why he had no matches and still my paternal matches to this day or so, but over the years it's evolved. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to work with small matches. And I started out with this 60 Sunny Morgan match and I got ahead another one. And I, you know, started building out the trees of these people. Man, bless you. Woo. Yeah. Well, yeah, 60 Sunny Morgan. It wasn't easy. Let me tell you. So, but I kept noting everybody had the same roots back to Ohio into a particular mm. family. And I was like, okay, so that's the source, right? On of at least one side mm. for him. That's the source. But I, it was just so odd. And my mom's like, well, he was born during World War II. You know, my grandmother was a civilian employee for the Navy Department in Washington, D.C. Hello. You know, she was, I mean, it was 1943, 44. You know, he was born in 44. Mm-hmm. So and we're thinking military guy. But she said, maybe he's not from, maybe he's from another country. And I was like, maybe. I was like, but there's a, there's a, there's definitely a, a USA component here in Ohio. I know I can see it. I can see it in these matches. Well, of course, time moves on and you start to get more and more matches. Well, eventually I had compiled a massive tree of a family group in Ohio. And I had, I mean, it took me forever, built it down, all the lines coming down. And I had certain hypotheses based on matches, but I, it was hard because I, I only had him in family tree DNA. I wasn't able to, so I could upload him, of course, you know, my heritage was not, was not around in the earliest days or they were, but they were having algorithm problems with their matching and they weren't accurate, but I couldn't do them at Ancestry. I couldn't do them at 23andMe, right? Right. It was on GEDmatch, of course. So I tested me. I have my sister and two of my sisters and two of my brothers. I have, there's six of us total. My father has six children. I've tested myself and four others. The last one was like, absolutely not. He wasn't interested. He's like, nope, not doing like, it. I'm not I was interested like, in this mess that you, yeah. you have created. They were very helpful because one of my brothers seemed to have a much higher 
match to a lot of these people than the rest of us did. So I guess he had gotten that chunk, that paternal <laughs> chunk, you know, whatever, which was super helpful. I mean, it was crazy how much these matches would vary among the five of us, right? Hmm. So I've slowly, between the five of us, <laughs> built out this massive tree. And I had these hypotheses and I, I was at my wit's end. I was like, I, I just don't know where else to go. And um, my heritage, he had a match at my heritage, but that's again the algorithm was was off. And so I I reached out to Leah Larkin. I don't know if you know who she is. She um, is the DNA geek. Yes, yes. Uh, she has a blog, Leah La Pearl Larkin. Well, anyway, she with Johnny Pearl and others had come up with the shared Sunny Morgan, the DNA painter. And I reached out to her. She said, well, "We're working on this thing." She said, "Just send me all your information. I'm going to use him as." Because uh, he's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to use him. So she ran all the hypotheses that I had, and the odds came up, and it pointed to one line for a guy named John Carroll or his brother James. We don't know. And what was interesting in this tree is that the reason, and I, this is what makes me feel even so, and long story short, his father is one of two brothers. That's as far as I've been able to get. I think it's the one that was in the military. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. So that's the one I use. It technically could be the other one, but neither one had any other children. Hmm. In the generation before that, only one brother had those two sons. In the generation before that, only one person had children. So there were no siblings, no first cousins, and no second cousins on his male line. Wow. And I was like, well, you know, that's, that's shifty, right? How can I, mm-hmm. how can I be keeping sure? things real close? Yeah. Right. So, but what, and that was the Irish side. Even weirder. Yeah. Right. I mean, to have Which no is, children is what I mean. Right. So there were children, but only one child in each generation ended up having children. So there were multiple right. children, right? but only one went down. So uh, he had a match with, um, on the, it would be his paternal grandmother's side. He matched high enough as a third cousin. And since then, and it was enough to place him in this line. Mm -hmm. It was tenuous. It was, it was, it wasn't really firm for me, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was enough that it was like, you know, it really couldn't be too much else, but it, it didn't feel great. So, but I sat with that for a few years and eventually um, so when he died, I had his sample at family tree DNA. I immediately had called him and I said, I need to send off for, to upgrade his, to upgrade to Y max it. Um, because I, that was all I had, right. I, there was no more. De- I mean, I could have done one of my brothers, but it's just, it was just better with him. And mm-hmm. eventually a cousin reached out that, um, he matched and her brother did a Y DNA test. And there, there are an exact match at one eleven at Y111 is same surname. So she's also trying, we, we haven't figured out through autosomal DNA how these two lines connect yet. There's not a lot of documentation, which is really odd. It's Boston, mm. you know, it's Philadelphia. There's like a Boston, Philadelphia connection. And let me tell you the name, James Carroll. Yeah. In not that area. Hello. <laughs> in the Irish. Hello. Like you're never you going to find. Right. So, I mean, there's needle in a haystack. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just really, I uncovered so many interesting stories like his, you know, his grandfather, his great grandmother and great uncle that lived together in, in, um, 
Pennsylvania and they got the flu and it was all these newspaper articles about how the sun came in and had to put them in a sleigh and they went through this big snowstorm and anyway they both they died on the same day in 1920 so of course I'm finding all these news articles and I I'm only able to glean so much information so it's kind of been a big brick wall for me that I've set aside for now because mm -hmm. I just mentally I I had to I have to take a step back because it, the information just got to be too overwhelming but I, we have enough in now that I feel confident that his father was one of these two brothers, mm -hmm. which is good. You know, I don't need to know which one. The surname is the same and it's, they have this, you know, whatever. So in and amongst these wanderings of mine and testing different people, I found another cousin who found out her dad wasn't her dad. And I'd worked on that. And then my uh, grandson's other grandmother is an adoptee. Mm -hmm. and worked on her hers was also an endogamy slash complicated kind of thing but found hers and so i've just over the years have realized i'm really good at putting these little puzzle pieces together it's fun you know it's fun for me i'm like ooh, what you got mm -hmm. you know yeah. so it's kind of like a you know it's like a challenge almost and so but i tell people all the time i'm like look don't be smug don't be smug. I have a very dear friend who, um, hmm. who, you know, I've, she shared her DNA results with me and we were, we're actually going on a trip later this summer over to England and Scotland. I, she said, who was that ancestor of mine? That's from some place in Wales, I don't know, Wales or something. I'm like, let me go look at your tree. I can't remember who it was. And cause her daughter has this beautiful tree done up and, I noticed on her matches, I said, yes, I know you have new matches. And she's like, I'm like, who's this? And she was like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, well, do you need to know who this? She's like, it says cousin. And I was like, what have I told you? Do not look at the label. You have to look at the number. I said, that number indicates the fact that you don't know who this person is means that this is a mystery. And she told me she was one of those people who's just been like, well, that's not, that doesn't happen in my tree. Mm -hmm. Not in my family. Yeah. It looks like her, you know, there's, you know, so there's some interesting things there, but people do that all the time. They're like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, you should know who that is. Mm -hmm. For some reason, sometimes when I think about doing a family tree or tracing my own genealogy, um, two, two things. One is I just don't, I don't quite, I still don't quite understand how it all works. And, um, and it, when I look at my, like, for, so I'm an NPE, and when I look at my list that comes up, what comes up on 23andMe and Ancestry, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, 99% names I don't know, I don't recognize. And I, I'm really thrilled that since I've started the podcast, I've had a cousin do it. <laughs> so, I mean, like a first cousin that I know really well. So his name comes up now, and I'm always like, hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> but everyone else, you know, is strangers. And so that's sort of over, I don't know where to start that's a part of it. And, um, and it doesn't, it sounds kind of academic to me when people describe it often, not always you describing it to me today sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. And for some reason you talking about training, tra tracing a line back to Ohio, I suddenly had a very clear visual of a map and a line, you know, a real, an actual line with a pen. This is what I love about genealogy, right? Collecting the stories. Yes, that's exactly right. You know, that's all of a sudden I'm like, oh, not, yeah. not that I don't understand it. I just I know that different key things 
interest people in different ways. But today right. I feel like the way you're describing it, I'm really uh, feeling drawn to, to that kind of. This is what I tell people. This is part of the premise of my book. So like I said, I, you know, I turned a lot to, I feel like I'm a, like a magical person. The world is a magical place. Genealogy is amazing in the way that we're all. So when people build a tree, they get very possessive about it, right? This is my tree and that is your tree. But what they forget about is the structure of trees and how under the ground trees are all connected and intertwined. And so are our family trees in one way or another. And for people and I had to do this to get, because I was really angry when this happened to my mom, right? Mm -hmm. She was just, I was angry for her. Um, you know, and I have, I, most of us have a place in our homes where we set up pictures of people who are gone or loved ones, you know, just, just a nice place where you can look at their picture and, be, you know, that's a common thing, you know, in a lot of people's homes. And I took all that down and I put my grandmother's in a box and I was like, I do not want to look at you right now. I'm angry. I don't know why you did this. You lied and, and you hurt people that I love. And um, a very dear friend said, you need to take your grandmothers out of the box and put them back where they belong and ask them what happened, mm. you know? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, and he, he said, you know, sit, make a cup of coffee, sit down with your grandmother's photo, drink some coffee, and you talk to her about how angry you are. Hmm. you know and I did that but you know what struck me I think after coming out of all of this is how much people who are hurting with the with their their current living family can step past them and go into the stories of the ancestry into into and people from whom they descend all who have a story who have a lifetime at least long enough to make a child you know and, and where does that come from? What's the energy that sits in that line? Where, what did these people do for a living? Where did they come from? How did they move across the country? How did they get here? And you get to tap into your heritage and your family story without having to sit in the stew that, that hurts so badly in your, in your current living situation, you know, your dynamics now. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that's accessible for anybody, you know, if you're an NPE, you know, lots of people are removed from the genetic slash um, genealogical aspect of their family tree through several ways. They could be an NPE, they could be an adoptee, they could be a foster kid, they could be someone who has been removed from the family because of sexual orientation or um, who they're of religious reasons or because they married someone with another color of skin. You know, so there's a lot of reasons why people are removed from that knowledge of their tree. And the thing about genetic testing, you know, the genealogical genetic testing is that it opens the door for everybody. So mm -hmm. like you said, you have a list of names that you don't know then when you look at that. But what you can do with that, I don't know how much work you've done in your own personal tree, is you can take those names, you don't have to talk to anybody, but you can plug them into different places. And eventually, you're going to step past the people who are reachable in your living lifetime. Mm -hmm. And you can move back into these different lines. And what's the story that sits back there? And how can you bring that heritage forward into yourself in a way that makes you feel good? Mm. You know, you don't, you, it, it all hurts. It hurts. It hurts a lot of people in a lot of different ways. 
But genealogy and specifically genetic genealogy allows you to step over that dung heap, <laughs> for lack of a better word, because right. yeah. really it's what it is. It's just a pile of, of BS, right? And some days you just can't, you can't deal with your family, you know, or this, these people who you're related to by blood, you know, maybe you don't want to have anything to do with them. Maybe they don't want to have anything to do with you. Maybe it's awkward. Maybe it's just not, maybe it's just not, you know, it's like, you can't just say, oh, you know, you're my birth father. And so I'm supposed to have these amazing feelings for you suddenly. It doesn't work like that. Mm -mm, you can't mm -mm. just turn a switch and say, oh, hey, dad, you know, I mean, that's a lifetime of, um, that's a, that's a lifetime relationship that's built from when you're small and you go forward or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's, some people are able to, some people are able to create a bond and that's great for them, but that's not for, that's not what everybody can do. It's not what everybody can do. And it's not automatic. Like it, sure, no, it can happen. It's absolutely. Not, but it's, it's really not, yeah. you know, I look at the struggle that my, my husband has had with his birth mother and the struggle that she's had. Her story was so sad, mm. you know, and it's just, it's not an automatic thing. I mean, he was raised and nurtured and loved by another woman. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's been his mom for 50 years before we found her, his birth mother. Mm -hmm. And even then it's just, a lot, a lot has been taken from people. A lot has been given to people in the in the the way that they have these relationships with others who I call ancestors of influence. That's what I call them. Yeah, tell me more about that. So, you know, we all come to family. You know, so we all have different kinds of family, right? We have we have the three trees. We have our genealogical tree. Those are all the people that we descend from, right? parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, all the way back as far as you can figure out. So that's your genealogical tree. You have a genetic tree, which is a subset of the genealogical tree. So you know your genetic, gen you're going to have in your DNA a piece of your parents, piece of your grandparents, whatever, back. But eventually you're going to get to a point where you have ancestors from whom you have no have not inherited any physical dna because it's just been recombined out over the generations you're still descended from them just that little piece didn't get to you so that's your genetic tree and then the third tree i call the tree of influence and these are people in your life that are a sister a friend's sister or a person that was like maybe an uncle that was like a father mm -hmm. or a family friend who was like a mom or, you know, somebody, it could be somebody that you admire so much that really played an important part in your life. You know, and I tell this to a lot of people who have not had their own biological children. Um, you still influence people. You know, you think about a lot of the trauma that comes about in families and, you know, how that trauma affects other people and, you know, the way that all these things are spread around and, you know, you have these influential people in your lives that help to settle you down and or to contribute something positive to your life. And that in turn, you 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 turn around and you give this to your own family. And it's a healing that occurs yeah. there. You know, so you say so you come from a terrible family or all these things happened. Okay, well, that you can't change that. But what you can do is when you can change how you act towards other people and you can change the things that you do with your own children you know there's a saying that goes around the best gift that you can give to your children is a broken chain so what are you doing you know you've got all this bs behind you what are you doing to adjust that lineage and make it better because if you adjust it 
you know, going forward, then you can heal some of that ancestral trauma that mm. comes that comes that comes along with you because we all have it. But these people are people that sit in this tree. You know, let's say um, you know you have two two gay men that are married. You know, and one of them has a biological child, but it's not, of course it's not going to be the son of you know the daughter of two men. Um, but this other parent is is in, very influential in their life, so they get to sit on the tree. Um, I know for me, you know, my father was removed from my life at a very early age. Um, we did not have a great relationship because he wasn't around. And when I was a little girl, I, thought, I watched Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. and I convinced myself that Fred Rogers was my father. I loved it. He was very kind. And he was, you know, and of course, I eventually I'm like, okay, Fred Rogers is not your dad, you know, so probably not Mr. Rogers, but wow. But- what wow of how many children probably gravitated towards yeah. that idea. So, yeah. yeah. And so yes, Fred Rogers has his own children. And of course he's their ancestor, but he is an ancestor of influence for so many children who took his lessons to heart and who felt cherished and special because he said so. And that made a difference for me when I was a little girl. He was a very safe place for me. Yeah, I'm about to tumult. cry about Mr. Rogers now. Yes, I cried when that man died. <laughs> yeah. Do you hear me? I cried bitter mm-hmm. tears when Mr. Rogers died. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have a best friend, you know, she is, she's known my children since they were little. And she's just, she is a, uh, she is a huge part of my life and has gotten me through some tough times in my life and has influenced the dynamic that I have with my family in a positive way. And so, you know, or you may have somebody that feels like a daughter to you or a son, you know, and so these people get to hold a place on your tree as well as influential type people. So, uh, you know, I think that all of these things blended together, create this really beautiful and rich and full, you know, tree. So people for who were adopted, for instance, mm-hmm. their whole tree when they start out is nothing but the people that influence them in some way, whether it's good or bad, Mm -hmm. you know, and of course they have the other two trees. They're just not able to see them. Right. Right away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love the whole, that holistic approach because it also gives people the opportunity to sort of acknowledge and love Mm -hmm. and embrace people regardless of, of how, how they scientifically define family. Exactly. You know, because science is great and all I, you know, you can't, it always feels like, you know, you're kind of chasing, you're kind of trying to outrun science sometimes, but there's a lot to be said for the science of, you know, psychology and how these things affect us physically. We all know stress produces hormones that have certain negative health effects and children who are raised in circumstances that are more difficult are, they show this in physical manifestations later in the forms of diabetes and high blood pressure. And, you know, there's all kinds of research to show that, you know, non-genetic things can have an effect on your genes. I look at my mother, for instance, you know, she thought her tree was one thing and it turns out that her genetic and genealogical tree has shifted And now the man that she thought was her father has flipped over to this ancestor of influence because Mm -hmm. that's the man that raised her. And so he still gets to be a part of her story and, and, and his, in his, his, his own family story gets to be a part of her story because that's the man that raised her. And so it's still important. And I think it allows people that don't have the 
picture perfect circumstance of uh, or what society deems as such as the picture perfect circumstance of two parents, sibling, you know, the 2.5 kids. There's all kinds of alternative type. Well, not even alternative. I shouldn't say alternative. There's just, there's all kinds of families. Mm-hmm. You know, families um, are built in many different ways. And, you know, when people are together and if they are, they're happy and they're flourishing in society and then that deserves to have its own story written down. And so that was the whole thing with, you know, with my book is that, you know, genealogy is for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really Good segue. is. That was what I was going to ask. I was yeah, going to say, so, how did so, we come from this into yeah, your book? Yeah. You so, get- you know, everyone's always telling me you should write a book, you should write a story about your, your, you know, your mom and dad. And I'm like, yeah. So then I thought about my process. Mm-hmm. And how I grew over the years since these discoveries and how much genealogy has affected the way that I live my life and how much, how important I think it is for people to understand that they do get to play a part in this participating in their own genealogical story, mm-hmm. you know, just because you're adopted doesn't mean you don't have a story. So for people that are set apart, that feel set apart from genealogy, like my mom did, you know, she's like, well, I don't have a dad anymore. And I'm like, of course you do. We just Mm -hmm. have to, we just have to figure this out. So again, you know, there's more than one kind of tree in the world. You know, we've got tall, skinny trees, we've got short, fat trees, we've got trees that don't have many leaves on them, you know, and it's the same that goes for, it's the same for everybody. You know, some people have a really beautiful full tree and, you know, sometimes something comes along and saws off one of those limbs like it did for you or for me and my parents, both of them chopped, you know, and some people have bare trees with no leaves. And they're just Mm -hmm. waiting for something to come along so that it can sprout. So, you know, all these trees need to be nourished. And um, it was just really important for me. You know, when you step out of the politics and out of the, the, the whole thing about it, people are people and they each have their own story. Mm -hmm. And if genealogy is, tells the story of humanity, then it, it can't be a true story if this if it doesn't reflect the truth for every person that's in it and every person is in it whether you want them to be or not every single person has a genealogy story mm-hmm. and every single person has their own unique circumstance and you know you you're the only one that knows your story who else can tell your story but you i can't tell your story you know i might know what i think are the facts of your story but, you know, there's going to be a lot in there that I don't know about or that's not important to me that's really important to you. And so you have the right to tell your story in the way that you choose. And, you know, there's certain things we can't change. You know, we can't change genetics. Um, you know, it, that, that's always going to be in, you know, that's always just going to be the facts of it. But, you know, how we flow through these genetics and in our lifetimes and the way that we interweave with other people and, manifest this tapestry of interconnection right that's the story so when you're sitting on this you know in this weft and this warp of this you know this quilt that we that humanity builds as time goes on you know you get to sew your own piece i guess is the way to the way to say it so and that's what i wanted people to know because i look at people like my husband and my mom you know a cousin and you know 
a friend whose father was, you know, was adopted and just all these stories that people have about these little chunks that are missing and they all feel it in different ways. Mm -hmm. So genealogy is for them and it's for me and it's for you, you know? I love that, Carol. That's really beautiful. I'm not sure anyone has ever come on and talked about it in that way. Yeah. Well, it took me a long time to get there. You know, it's, um, um, it's a, it can be a painful path, right? It can be, uh-huh. it can be painful. Um, but I think, I believe that everybody deserves to know their own truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's ways for people to manage the pain that comes with that truth. Sometimes, you know, you, you got to sit with it, right? You got to sit with it. I mean, it just, it just is. And sometimes some people sit a little longer for than others, you know, right. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, get in the pool, but, you know, get out and dry off, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sit at the edge of the pool. I mean, the pools, you know, it's always there, but you can, you know, you can take this twist in your story and you get to do what you want with it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, um, it's your story. Yeah. So it deserves to be heard. And, um, you know, P. I. I'm a big believer. You know, I think that um, in terms of adoptees and other things, you know, access should be open. Uh, birth certificates should be open. Uh, none of these laws were put into effect to shield birth mothers from their children. They were actually long ago were put into effect to shield children from their birth mothers and also to protect the families that adopted them from being embarrassed by the fact that they had to right. adopt a child to make a family. People deserve to know who they are. Absolutely. And I think that genetic genealogy has really changed the focus of things. And it has really opened up the doors for people that didn't have answers before. Mm-hmm. Because they too get to take pride in their genetic heritage. Or, you know, maybe they don't feel like they fit in where they are. You know, I've heard that story so much from adoptees about how they, you know, they were loved you know, and I'm not adoptee, I'm not an adoptee. So I can't speak to the lived experience of an adoptee. I'm just I'm adoptee adjacent. That's how I put it. <laughs> you know, my husband has shared with me how he was very loved, but he always felt different. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you hear and, it so much. Yeah, you know, you don't have the mirroring of the, the physical looks or the mannerisms and you don't you know, the family stories are there. And they're very influential right. on your life you know, but there's another story that sits with sits within you. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think it's really important, you yeah. know, that legislation keep, continues to move so that these documents are open and available. And also the adoption, the adoption industry as a whole needs an overhaul. Oh, yeah. So uh, That's another whole that's a whole sticky mm-hmm. thing. And that's, um, uh, you know, adoptees can speak more to that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. It's um, um but you know it's not great. I mean, mm-hmm. we have rule. We have there's rules in place about not taking dogs, puppies from right. mama dogs for six to eight weeks. You know, but you'll chunk a newborn out. Then, with my husband's case, the date, you know, the moment he was born, the he was moment away upon the moment. Yep, the moment. Yeah. yeah so you know, of, <laughs> lots of lots of systems in place that really yeah, yeah deserve an overhaul, deserve a, a close look, yeah, and a, re- a reconsideration about how how they're run. Yeah, um, for sure, absolutely, systemically, systemically. Um, so remind everybody what the name of your book is. It's called the name of my book is called the magic in your genes. That's G E N E S. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's your, it's the, your personal path to ancestor work. Wow. And, um, you know, it's just a way to, it's very basic. 
um, in terms of the science, you know, I go into the different types of DNA, um, but it's definitely a, a very much a beginner's level book in terms of that. But it goes into the magical side of it, you know, it, this, I guess, or the spiritual side of it, or this, the, the way that people might feel about making these connections and how you can use your own personal spirituality or your own personal magic or your own personal way of being to access the the information and the healing that can come from knowing more about where you come from mm -hmm. i love that you know? yeah, yeah i love it you know and it's just in a reminder too that you exist it, your existence is really, if you think about statistics and and whatnot, just the fact that you're here is just is a miracle, mm -hmm. right? So you're here, and you're you know a, another day above ground is how I like to put it. Mm -hmm. Still, right. still here, you know? yeah. And so you know you get to explore these things, and and um, maybe maybe if part of you is broken in some way, you can you can heal it a little bit by stepping back in time. Mm -hmm. and uh look into the past or you know writing your own story in the way that 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 suits you that's truthful now that i will have to say that i said people do get to write their own story but it has to it, it has to be based in truth right and yeah and standard genealogical you know ways of doing things mm -hmm. like you can't make stuff up right <laughs> let's not let's not do that let's not make right. stuff up but there, some... there is there's beauty in every truth mm -hmm. right right yeah Right. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. I love it. And people can get that book anywhere. anywhere books. Yeah. 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 You can, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's anywhere. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just Google it. Yeah. And it'll, it'll pop up. Great. Of course it'll be on yeah. my website. Um, everything's relative podcast.com. I always have a listed towards the bottom. If you're scrolling down, it says something like books, <laughs> the books for me <laughs> podcast or something. And you click on it. It'll give you a, a nice uh, Google sheet with all the links. This was just lovely. It was so nice to get to talk with you yeah, and, and learn more about this. Yeah. Yeah. I felt really, I feel really inspired and interested to, to like reassess my own relationship with my family tree. Think about it differently. Yeah. What to, what to do about it. Go explore it. Mm -hmm. Step, step over what's there. You don't have to know yeah. anything about people, but you can move past that. And yeah. then there's going to be stories there that you find fascinating. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, do it. I'll, I'll be in touch with you about that, whether you want me to be or not. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. Reach out for sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. This was so great. Yes. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks again to Carol for the time she spent with me. I, I love, loved, loved this perspective on each person having multiple trees um, and and like the way that Carol described having ancestors of influence I felt like as she was describing it to me like my heart and my mind was softening I love the concept of challenging sort of like the rigidity of scientific genetics and the traditional tree model maybe you've been around to see discussions about the family tree projects that come home in elementary school but um 
It's pretty fraught. It's a pretty fraught topic for families with adoptees or foster children or for donor-conceived families. Even families with same-sex parents can feel uncomfortable because of the sort of rigid framework being offered. And as an MPE, I haven't done my own tree. I haven't done any online trees. I don't think I've even written it down, like with a pencil. Um, So much because of my NPE experience. But for the first time, after talking with Carol, I feel excited about the possibility of weaving these different people into my understanding of ancestry. So we'll see. We'll see if I finally get around looking at all my matches and figuring something out. I don't know. It still feels very intimidating. If you want to read The Magic in Your Genes, head over to Amazon. You can find a link on my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com, which is where you can find other ways to support this project, like listening to more episodes, checking out the merch store, sending me a note to ask me a question or let me know how you're feeling about things. And, oh yeah, okay, speaking of notes, it's time for the review of the week. This review comes to us from Apple Podcasts and was written May 28th, quite recently. And it says, this is maybe my favorite review of all time. That's not what it says. It says, okay, but as an NPE, who else would listen? I don't need this edgy chick lit attitude. Grow up. Two stars. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, there you have it, folks. Someone finally saying what I imagine you've all been thinking. So it just goes to show you, I don't just want good reviews. Even a truthful review like this can get review of the week. Do you agree with this person? Do you disagree? You can let me know by writing a review. Will I grow up? Do I have a chick lit attitude? Come back next week to find out. In the meantime... Water your plants. Pick up the kids. Don't forget to fax in those client-submitted claims to your insurance company. Womp, womp. (laughs) That's what I have to do today. I'm Eve Sturgis. This is Everything's Relative. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally, and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Mm-hmm.